Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. from today's sponsor. Hey everybody, Mr. Dave here. I'm going to tell you all about Funtime with MrDave.com. It's my new website where you can watch a show and learn about all the really cool stuff that we're going to be doing soon. So sit back, grab some popcorn, and check out www.funtimewithmrdave.com. Eh, not bad, but I do it better. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. We've got a really special side quest on tap for tonight. We are going to be talking with some friends of the show, Joe and Jeanette, from the New London County Role Players Guild, the NLCRPG. I think I got the abbreviation correct here. Uh, but they were the sponsors of the Drinking and Dragons convention that the three of us were featured on about a month ago now, where we all uh, had uh, different Dungeons and Dragons tables. So we wanted to bring them on to today's show to uh, introduce them all to you guys out there and to uh, talk about what it is that they do. So welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Why don't you introduce yourselves? All right. Hi, I'm Joe. I am the NLCRPG's general misfit and um, dice goblin. Also, I'm responsible for sort of wrangling all of our nonprofit organizations we work with uh, when we run our events. And otherwise, I just, they let me have fun. Uh, and let me off the leash. And that's what I'm best at, I guess. Excellent. No leashes are key. Yeah. Enjoying life. <laughs> I'm, I'm right with you, Joe. Right. And uh, hi, I'm Jeanette. I am, um, I guess, the uh, I, the financier of our group. I, I generally handle the, uh, the, the books. I tend to herd cats with <laughs> when uh, we let them off the leash. Me. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of the all-around sort of background kind of organizing any kind of paperwork and things of that nature for us, keeping us on track and in line and making sure we have some sort of a plan that we follow. Fun is the most important thing, but you know, I try to keep it on the rails. Not so much as as little railroading as possible, but I do my best. So off the chain, but <laughs> on the rails. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hi, yeah, I'm Wes. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders. Co is weird when there's four of us. Yeah, chair, co-chair. Co, I guess. Sure. I got into this when when Joey, who really started it, decided. I guess that he wanted to. He just wanted to have an RPG gaming night at. Oh God, what was it? State Street Saloon. State Street yeah. Saloon. Yep. And I volunteered for the first one and then 
I ran a game for every single one and it everything kind of snowballed into uh, this thing, right? <laughs> as far as like currently, uh, I am... I run all the social media accounts. So if you've ever used social media, hi, you talked to me. <laughs> You're the one that I freaked out to on Discord, right? Is that? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I run the website, uh, run, quote unquote, right? I, I set it up and like when we need to do tweaks and add stuff, I add stuff to it. But that's, it pretty much is self, like, I don't really deal much about it. And I, back in the before times when we could be in person and hopefully soon, I do the raffle, the charity raffle. Our main thing for the raffle is uh, choosing a local charity, specifically local, to New London County. Then we gather up donations from local businesses, um, from people, right? Just other uh, attendees who are like, oh, I've got this cool thing or you know, Amazon shipped me two of these and I don't need two of these. <laughs> right. Oh, we, we love those. Um, and, you know, I gather up all that stuff and then set up the raffle, I guess. Uh, all the proceeds go to, um, go to the charities. There's a bunch of them that we've supported. Yeah. The, yeah. There's a big whole list on the, on the website. Yeah. The website has, has all of them. And I think it has up to date rough totals. I rounded the numbers. Cause I don't think you need to know that, you know, we added 50 cents <laughs> to it or not. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Dude, this would be a good time. What is your website URL so that other people who are listening to the show can go there and check it out? Yes. So the website URL is N L C R P G.org. Um, I don't know what the, the phonetic for that would be, right? Uh, but sounds like a Cthulhu villain. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It is so awesome to have you guys on today's show. We're really excited here. So tell us a little bit about Drinking and Dragon. How did this get started? What is it that you're trying to do with Drinking and Dragon? I can I can do how it got started, if that's okay with you, Jeanette. Um, oh yeah. All right. So so we have a friend um, named Joey. Joey, a uh, really cool guy. Uh, he's a principal here in Connecticut for, I think he works for like a middle school now, but man, he jumped on the D and D train pretty late uh, in life. He was super hooked. I was working at Sarge's comics at the time down in new London. And he came in one day and just picture like this, like fifties, like slick back hair, greaser type. Ooh, cool, man. And he comes in and he goes, Joe, what the Dungeons and dragons. And we spent, we wasted like an hour and that spiraled. And like a week later, he said, I think I want to get a bunch of people together and drink beer and play D and D. And uh, he didn't like really know anyone that played. So the first thing he did was ask me to just find people. Cause I'd been at the comic book store for almost a decade at that point, running events, organizing that sort of crap. And so Jeanette ran D&D for the comic book store every Wednesday. Our Wes was running, was running games, uh, a lot of off-center stuff like Shatterrun with me on like alternating uh, weeks and weekends. Uh, so we sort of just cobbled together and then begged, borrowed, and stealed any dungeon master or game master we could. And I think our first event, I think I, I want to say it was like seven tables. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. And it, That's solid for a first turnout. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was just 
a whirlwind of of very indie, like almost punk style prep. And like Joey was kind of doing the whole thing. And all of uh, all of the artwork was just him, like cutting stuff out of magazines like you'd see like back in like the 70s. It's awesome. And like getting. Yeah. And then like slapping on old D&D first edition art. And like we were handing out flyers that were like just the shit. Uh, repros <laughs> from like Kinko's. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and then I'd say like maybe after four or five. Uh, oh, and then our our buddy uh, Dan, who had been in a band with Joey. Dan's another great guy, good at like organization and and that sort of thing. And Joey was like, "Okay, that's it. I've I've created the monster. Um, I need to go be an adult again." That was a lot of fun, guys. And we were like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you just you just dumped us with the swag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah, we had, we had formed like a loose, yeah, sort of a group. Uh, there was no formal organization. Jeanette really helped us with that sort of thing. Yeah, and it sort of it just grew from that sort of punk sense, you know, sensibility of just slapping shit together, getting people all in one room in one building, and then just drinking and having a good time. I gotta tell you, uh, the legend was born. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been going for a little over a year and a half now to the events, and I was struggling hard to try to go a good six months to a year before that. I just could never get my schedule worked out. Um, so, uh, but I can tell you the fact that it started with such a gun it and run it kind of sensibility just really speaks to my inner soul. Like that, that, as much as I've loved going to the event over the years, that makes me love it even more. Like it gives it more depth uh, to me because that that's just, I love when things grow organically just yeah. from us. Hey, I love yep. the sound of it. I really think that's amazing. That's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. When, when Joey came in and, and, and invited me to kind of help with the first event, I didn't even really realize that he had played at my table at Sarge's for, we did D and D five E and I apparently was his first ever GM. I had no idea. I, I kind of got roped into GMing at Sarge's from some other friends who were like, Hey, we want some help with it. And then I started doing it and they just were like, okay, great. You've got this covered. And they left. And I was like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> And so, yeah, so it's kind of funny for me because Joey saying, hey, I started this because you brand D&D for me for the first time. And I was like, oh, cool. Like it was it's it's kind of fun that it sprung from just so random kind of connections of people at the store. I was just going to say that, like from that origin story that we listened that we just heard about, you know, how how much it started, you know, like completely just a couple of people just throwing it together versus how you're doing it now? How's it evolved? What's different in terms of the way that you run it now versus then? Oh man. Well, uh, Jeanette had the very brilliant idea. So like, like game three or four, we started doing this little raffle thing and it started with a raffle to get more raffle stuff. Cause we weren't really charging people, I think anything. And then we started getting enough crap that we could raffle for charity. And that's when Jeanette was like, maybe we should incorporate as a nonprofit and not get in trouble. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's important. Yeah. It, it, it was a much more uh, professional sounding meeting, but that was like the gist of it. Like we're trying to do something good for other people. Let's not do something bad for ourselves in the process. Yeah. Yep. The way that it happened, I think too, was like, so we'd done it. And uh, one of the things for me that was important when we, you know, really 
started finding like a space that we could use consistently for events. Um, I used to, I told the the guys, you know, we need to focus on, we, we have an idea now of what it would take to run an event like cost wise and, you know, to put this together and, and ha- about how many people we can host, we need to, to really treat this like, we're going to charge something for the event now. That's going to be our operating cost to get this thing going. We're, this is how we're going to do the charity with the, you know, the raffle and the proceeds going to the charity and just really kind of getting it like on paper. Like this is, this is, we're going to take it more seriously and treat it like a business on one side while still having all of the fun of the event on the other side of it right. so that we can keep doing it. And it will, if we do it right, it eventually it will run itself in a sense. And it's not so hard for us to do it every time because we know what it takes. Yep. And you'll already have all those little pieces in place. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, I kind of got in somewhat late. I've been going to the events for a couple of years now. Um, one of the first things I noticed about my first Drinking and Dragons events uh, was the fact that the focus on the charities and the causes was awesome. Like you guys have never missed a cause that I care deeply about. Like that's just, and there are so many great causes. It's not like you have to pick things that I like that's not necessary per se, but it just so happens that everyone you've selected since I've been involved has been something I care deeply about. And that matters to me on a deeply personal level. And I just totally love that fact. I don't know if Glenn or Josh will remember, but for a while now, long before we started doing the podcast, I've been saying, you guys got to go. They're doing great things. It's going to benefit this great charity. You know, it's almost secondary to me that we're going to be playing some great games and having some great fun and doing all those things because I'm going to play the games anyway. I'm going to have the fun anyway. But it's one of those things that when I know there's an event, I'm making sure I have extra money for the raffle so I can buy some extra tickets. You know, so I can buy a couple extra drinks at the group table, even if I'm bringing my uh, my own with me, because it's like I know where these proceeds are going, and these are things that I want to I want to be a part of. And I am I talk to people about it as the charity. Like we get to play games, but you're going to play games anyway. How about you play games here, so we can also do some good. I love that element of it. I think that's to me one of the most amazing things about it. Is, you know. We don't always get to have fun and do good at the same time. So I just love anything that lets me do that. A true story. He uh, spent many, many a Drinking and Dragons event trying to get me to come and, and join his table. And between work, kids, life, family, it just never quite happened. So my first ever event was as a storyteller in this past one. But it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Well, we did get his nephew to go to one, so <laughs> which, which was cool. So I want to talk a little bit about this last event. So I know that, um, so uh, Glenn and I both kind of joined for the first time in this this last one. Prior to that, the events had been in physical space because obviously we're still in the the age of COVID where everything as much as possible is happening virtually and, and everything like that. How do you feel Drinking and Dragons has changed or adopted to the virtual to the virtual scene where it used to be such a, um, such a heavy presence uh, in, in person? That's a good question. That- well, I've, I've thought about it a little bit and I, I do miss, I, I think we really shine in the, the in-person events. I like when everybody gets together and 
Um, we've had a lot of people able to kind of spin off their own home games out of meeting people at Drinking and Dragons, where before they were like, oh, I can't find anybody to game with. I do appreciate that we've been able to at least continue and have events online during what's currently happening in the world. It's a lot different in terms of, you know, really you only kind of interact with your your table of people that you have to play with, whether you're the GM or just the players. So there's not as much of that like community socialization, which I think is really a big part of what we enjoy about it. But it's still nice because it, I think it's still giving people an outlet to, to get to game, especially if they haven't been able to during this. And we've still had, you know, even though we're not able to do like the raffle, which is what we would do in person to raise the money for the actual charities, um, you know, we put up the link and we ask, you know, hey, we're not charging for the event, but if you have something to give, please donate. And we've had, you know, pretty decent donation turnouts for the events that we've done online, which is what we're really looking for. So is there a regulation difference that makes it more difficult to run the raffle online? Yeah, state law. We can't like when when we're doing it based in Connecticut, it's in the building. It's all in one place. We could have people playing from anywhere in the world at an online Drinking and Dragons event. We yeah. don't limit okay. it. Right. So we have to since we can't control the, the rules about raffling and gifting and stuff. We just decided we're not we're going to put it on hold until we're back in person. Yep. Makes sense. That's one of the things that I was curious about, because I was thinking if there was another virtual one that happened. You know, we might be able to donate some some gear or, you know, some swag for for raffle prizes and things like that as well. But that makes total sense because you can't control and regulate where they're where they're buying from. Exactly. And that's the thing. So when we get, believe me, in person again, we always enjoy the raffles. We Wes usually handles the raffles and he's very good at looking at the games that are being offered for that event and getting things for the raffle that coincide with those games. So somebody sat, could sit down and play bubble gumshoe oh. and we're raffling off the book for bubble gumshoe. Yep. And they're like, heck yeah. Or there was one raffle where there was a bunch of call of Cthulhu things. I would, I would, I would spend a small fortune looking for more Cthulhu stuff. I, that's, that's one of those, I mean, like so many other gamers out there. Like when I was young, I played a lot and then took probably 15 years off where I didn't play at all. And then kind of came back to it probably 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, but in the meantime, it's like, oh, all these like gaming, all like my first edition and second edition D&D books. Like, I don't need those anymore. Like those can, I'm, I'm going to give them away to somebody that's going to use them. You know, like all those things that would be that, worth yeah. like hundreds of dollars now. Yeah. So, right. yeah. I think some of them I, might be on Lee's shelf. Actually, a couple of them are because I, I, I don't throw away none. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I still have I still have the red box from when I first bought my first ever D D anything on my shelf. So <laughs> my dad With the dice that you have started to fill my first crayon. game when I was eight and like 78, 79, and yeah. I used to have original basic box set and original hardcover books from the first sets that he bought because he gave them to me. But yeah, no, not anymore. <laughs> I'm sitting here at my desk and I've got one of the beautiful uh, dice sets that I got as a, uh, as a raffle gift from one of my earlier events. And I've got several dice trays that were DM gifts and, and that from various events. So yeah. I am loaded with swag uh, gained from all of uh, all of the previous events that I've been to. I've got, so I've gotten something from everyone I've gone to even one I was a player at versus the most of them I've done as a storyteller. So I think they're awesome events. And, I, you know, I, 
I'm with you. The thing I miss the most about the live events, that nine o'clock break where we all gather in whatever the big space yep. is and we all talk. It's like you see all these people from the other from the other tables and most of them I haven't seen since the last Drinking and Dragons. And it's a it's a great bit of camaraderie. I've got a picture on my Facebook page that is actually a shot from that where I'm showing a little bag of dice I got. There's people that I only know from Drinking and Dragons in that picture and we're smiling and joking and having mm-hmm. a great time. And I love that element. I mean, I've met you, Joe. I've probably met you before at something, one or place or another, but I really believe that I've gotten to know you through this event. And, you know, and I, it's amazing. I, I love the fact that it's a, me- a mechanism to gain friends and build a community. And I think right. that's a, a great element. And as a social game, that's, I mean, that's really one of the big strengths yeah. to it, aside from all of the yeah. things that it does to help encourage us just to have fun and use our imaginations. It's social. And the online platform is is awesome because it lets us do what we couldn't do otherwise. But yeah, once we can get back to in-person gaming, I mean, those those in-person play spaces, whether it's Drinking and Dragons or your local gaming store that sets up tables for people to play at, those local gaming communities are where first-time role players really start to meet their first friends to explore it. And without that... Yep. It's going to be a whole lot harder for our hobby to thrive. So, I mean, what y'all are doing is important too, I think, you know, for making sure that we keep those spaces for people to be able to play, not just for the charities that you raise money for, but just for our hobby and to have fun. Totally agree. Along those lines, I know you're looking at where everybody's looking forward to being live again, but is there any thought of doing an occasional virtual one, even if it was just one a year? And the reason I ask that question is, as great as gaming in person is, one of the things that I've found through COVID is the great friends that live far and away that I can't game with in person and the opportunity to link up and be in games with them uh, has been amazing. And I will say this, of the two games I run regularly, actually I will say of the three games I run regularly, one of them is a table that started because of a one-shot I ran at Drinking and Dragons. I have uh, an amazing cadre of, of very close friends that I would not have met if it were not for the very first virtual event you did. We had such an amazing game that we just continued it and it's our ongoing game. Uh, I have to say that I don't know if everybody would have made it. I don't even know if I would have been able to have made that one had it been live at that, that, that particular weekend. And so I do think that there are some opportunities, whether it's to get people from afar or what have you to play that are there with live events uh, or that are there with virtual events that are not present with live events. And so I was wondering if you were thinking about at least doing one a year that might be virtual to kind of capture some of that magic as well. I think we had discussed it briefly. I know we haven't come to like any conclusions. (laughs) We're, We're really, I feel like we're really still feeling out the the end of the the end of the Pinocchio um and trying to suss out because for us like on our end each virtual event because it's been so sort of alien uh versus the live event man I don't know about Jeanette or any of anyone else but there were a couple times where I I just got really bummed like because you're used to this build up and it's almost like when you go to a convention right 
And you get that buildup, you get that excitement, you get, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to meet all the people. Like you guys said, all that socializing and interaction. And there were a couple of times where I got to a point where I was getting that buildup, buildup. And I don't, I don't know if it was maybe like the, like winter depression, that sort of thing. Over yeah, the winter. we need sunlight. That's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. But the, there'd be a point where I'd hit the plateau and be like, can I sit at my computer with these people and all this crap around me to distract me like can i do that can i keep doing that and i know obviously the night of when i got there i was fine you know um but that plays like that sticks with me in my brain is how many other people are were going through seasonal depression you know how many events can you throw at people online that's just more sitting at your desk, you know, maybe you do that for work all day. Why do you want to be back here? So uh, it's, it's something I think we're going to look into. I don't know. Jeanette might have more thoughts. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, I would like to maybe do uh, at least one online event throughout the year because uh, I stream on Twitch. I run games. Um, so I'm used to doing it. I run a distance game for uh, some of my cousins because we live in various states. And so our home game had to turn into an online game at one point a few years ago. I would like to do it for the sense of that there are people who I know that have jumped in and played in some of the online games that we've done this year that used to play locally and have since moved away. And when they heard it was online, they were super excited to find out, oh, I can I can do Drinking and Dragons this time because it's online. So I do think it's it's something that we we could continue to do moving forward. It's it's not I don't know if one or two times a year would probably be the max. I was more thinking too um we hadn't really discussed it but even um being able to do just if it's not an event like some of us individually could just post and host a game like with two weeks notice like hey drinking and dragons mini game here you go. It's going to be five players sign up on Eventbrite, go and no charge. And if you want to donate, here's a charity that I would love to support. So those are kind of things that I've thought of during this, as far as keeping the online version of it going. Um, uh, and honestly, all of it comes down to whether it be the online or the in-person um, we couldn't do it without the people who volunteer to run games. If we didn't have the, the people who step up and say, hey, I'm willing to do a Monster Heart game. I'm willing to do a D&D game. I mean, that really, like, we appreciate all of the game masters who have ever volunteered because we know how hard is it to find a game master in the gaming sphere. It's, it's hard. There are a lot more players than there are game masters, and we all know it. I spent a lot of time in the two-week lead-up on the 15, 20 different Facebook boards that I'm on. And I would say nearly every one of them, three or four of them just here, local in Connecticut. Yeah, where's the game? Right. Where's the game? Where's the game? And, oh, and so Joe, you, I copied you on a bunch of them. These guys, they, they, I'm like, go to this event, meet people at a table. That's how you're going to, that's how you're going to find a game. Keep going to these events virtual when they're live go live, just keep showing up at events. You're going to find a table. You're going to find something that sticks. Yeah, that that's like my mantra these days. It's just keep going to events and you're going to find a game that sticks. Well, if you're running an event, give us a shout. Let's see what we can do. You know, we're 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 if we can fit it into the schedule, however crazy the schedule gets, we're down to run games. We're and we're always here with 
willing to support great causes. Uh, we've talked a lot about kind of where Drinking and Dragons came from and what its origins are. Uh, we talked a little bit about how you guys transitioned from, you know, kind of this guerrilla style meat space to trying to figure out what your what your virtual presence is going to be and everything like that. Here's the big open-ended question, right? Where do you see Drinking and Dragons going? What's the next big thing that you guys are going to try to do under the umbrella that is this behemoth that is Drinking and Dragons? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. This phenomenon. Right? <laughs> phenomenon. Uh, is that just to me or is that to like the three of us? I think that's to all of yeah, us. To, this, is, this is to the entire Nickleberg crew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have an answer, but I haven't told anyone else on the board ooh, yet. The best kind. <laughs> So, so this is a tabletop journeys exclusive. What's happening? Yeah, I, I love it. I, I've been thinking about this ever since the pandemic kind of kicked in, and we knew we were going to be like away from physical space for for a long time. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if New London and the county had its own convention, and that just got my wheels spinning? about all the resources what resources i had and i thought i mean god it's it's so much work i've talked to a lot of people who have run conventions and it's an obscene amount of work that's that's what i've heard um, yeah i i have done but, so once keyword once <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep. but i will tell My you did it that was once. amazingly once. rewarding it, it, it like yeah. it blew me away i mean i got to meet dirk benedict of battle of Battlestar Galactica thing. Oh, see, mean, yeah, that's awesome. Now said, it was awesome, but it was a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. To yeah. Make that happen. So, on the upside, Joe, you said full on convention. Listen, I don't know if it's going to be like a Drinking and Dragons NLCRPG thing, but it's definitely something I'm looking into because my life is not crazy enough already. I'm seeing skepticism so. on Jeanette's face. So, <laughs> yeah, that's I've learned to accept that criticism. But neither of them raised their hands and backed away. Right, yeah, they have dropped off the Zoom. Too, so. No, no, right. it's 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 my job to go. Hmm, how do we realistically do this? Hmm. Yeah, uh, Jeanette's the one who deals with the money. So, like, uh, we can have all the wild ideas we want if uh, if we can't make that work. Yeah. So here at Tabletop Journeys, we have a phrase that we like to use called "future state." And that, what that basically means is anytime I get some wild, crazy idea that I know is going to immediately be shot down, yep. it's, yeah. look, this is future state. At some point in the future, when we have totally. all the resources to do so and the bandwidth, can you see us doing this? And if that answer is yes, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Some other time forward, three or four hours, I then start saying, <laughs> well, when? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And then making Asana yeah. cards and creating folders on the Google Drive. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Okay. So, Jeanette, that's my future yeah, state. That, that's I, I feel exactly where you are, Joe. That's why we vibe like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was yeah. gonna say yeah. I'm yeah. sensing some parallelism between you three and us three here. It's a little creepy, in fact. So it's a you know, so Jeanette, Wes, what do you guys see? Where do you think drinking and dragons is going? I know Joe just uh, shot just did his moonshot here uh what about you guys i mean i know we've talked about like because after every event well every meet space event i guess right uh we would have like our own little meeting of like just to go over the numbers to make sure we have you know uh 
anything like, oh, what works, what didn't work, right? Just kind of like a debrief for ourselves. And I know we've mentioned a couple times, I think, Joe, you've mentioned it, you and Dan have mentioned it, of like rent out like one big group campsite sort of deals. Mm. Yes. Yep. Just like a fun thing to do during the summer, especially um, probably not Drinking and Dragons branded, right? Because it's just one event that we could, Drinking and Dragons is only one event we could do under the whole umbrella, right? That's that's the thing that like I wouldn't mind that being a, a, a true statement sometime down the road, right? Camping in Cthulhu, mm-hmm. sure. Now, when you say right? when you say camping, are you talking about like everybody's camping and then yeah, playing like, tabletop games at night? Or are you talking about trying to get all the way into the the LARP field? No, it's. I think he means like the the camping uh, and the tabletop games at you know in the evenings and stories around the fire. Yeah. Also, like there are plenty of um, what are they called? I think the genre is called parlor LARPs, right? Where it's not, I got my big foam core sword bashing people upside the head. It's something a little bit more like something that you play indoors normally anyways, right? Like Vampire of the Masquerade could work for that. It would be, I guess could be considered, but there's some stuff that are like even more, low key than that like how uh, to host a murder mystery uh, yeah basically like uh, murder mystery sort of deals right and there are some that you could do you could easily do that right around a campfire or at a picnic table all right that could be a lot I, of fun i can tell you uh that convention that i helped run um and i was just one of a huge team of folks working on that by uh, we had a very large L- LLC also working on that event. We had a LARP built into that, and one of and that LARP was largely it was a Vampire Masquerade, and it was a Dark Ages LARP, and it was basically focused with a group of characters. I think it was only twelve or fifteen people in one large space, and that was the game. It was really that game. I think there was a side room that was used a little bit and there was other things that went on, but it was primarily just there. And we did some other things with LARP and with the LARP in general, but I would say the bulk of that game was in that one room. And I thought that was kind of an amazing way to set up and work really well as part of this greater convention. So something like that, I think kind of fits the mold uh, for what you're, what you were looking for. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you know, you can, you can do plenty of theater of the mind RPGs, just, you know, probably using nothing but like notepads and pencils. If you even need that, you know, you can get online dice rollers. If you don't, you know, phone dice rollers, if you don't want to like lose some dice, have phone, have tablet, good to roll. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's something that like has always kind of been percolating amongst some of our heads. It's just, yeah. It's never seems to be the right time. <laughs> Summer camp for D and D. Yeah, there's yeah, a there's, right? there's a huge wave of like equipmentless indie small RPGs right now too. Like, um, like I'm thinking like the Quiet Year mm-hmm. or stuff yep. like that. Like that's yep. you know things that are like that are just like nope. It is six people sitting around a table. Um, they understand kind of what their role is in this, and it is totally freeform and rules light and rp all day long there's no structure there well there may there's structure but there's no like there's no combat there's no there's no table there's no figs there's no maps there's no it's just the people sitting around the table and there are so many different 
Um, another one that I, that, I, uh, that I can think of is, um, everybody is John, mm-hmm. uh, yep. which is a fun, yep. if you, if you've ever played everybody is John, it's hysterical. It's basically where, mm-hmm. where all these people, uh, 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 all, all the people at the table are all different aspects of one person's personality and they're all fighting with each other to take control of the person. It's a, it's a hysterical, like there, for the one shot that I ran for, for drinking and dragons, uh, I couldn't quite work out the timing of it, but to introduce everybody into the role-playing mindset, I was going to run like a 30 minute, everybody is John set up at the, t- to go ahead and kind of get everybody into the homebrew world and kind of introduce them to the little bit. I couldn't quite work out the timing of it, but I thought that would be a hysterical way to kind of get everybody into a D and D game is like, okay, you now all play the villager, a villager that lives in the village that you guys are going to, we're going to, we're going to do this for 30 minutes and and uh and kind of get you into how this village works and everything totally no but any of that kind of stuff could be great um all right jeanette how about you um so one thing that we've discussed off and on over the last couple years is you know the drinking and dragons event is fun but it's a you know it's 21 and over because it is alcohol on the premises and things like that and we've talked about the idea of doing something that's more family oriented even stuff for like to have kids come in, we've discussed the idea of having even like some kind of like program to, hey, you want to you want to learn how to GM some RPGs? We're going to run an event. You can come in and we're going to do like everybody's going to kind of get some lessons and we're going to do little mini adventures. Now that we've gotten, you know, the adult community in our area kind of into this and getting together and doing these events together and meeting each other, I think it'd be nice to encourage, you know, the kids and plus we have people who have kids who can't attend one of our events because you know they're home with their kids so if we did something in the middle of a saturday afternoon and they could come with their you know 10 to 11 12 year old kid and sit down and play a game i think it would be a fun experience and it, and it gets that next generation of players kind of at the table I like that a lot that's something that we have talked about a, fairly frequently on on our show um we one of our one of our one of our uh one of the friends of tabletop journeys and uh one of our show sponsors in fact sponsor of today's episode uh mr dave came on a few months ago at this point and talking about um how he is doing a rpg that is centered around kids so as a way to go ahead and get his his young kids who are all under eight if i remember correctly to get into role-playing basically made a really rules system to go ahead and help them get into it and that you know that we're now looking to go ahead and see um what can be done with it and so that's definitely something that you know all of us are parents we all have kids of various ages um but uh that's obviously something that uh that we're also very interested in so there needs to be a way to bring new people to the table and along those lines that includes bringing younger people to the table so while we still need grown-up and adult spaces so we can have our games let our hair down for those of us who still have it um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which of us still has hair? <laughs> like that's a, oh, Jeanette. Jeanette still has hair. That's true. <laughs> um, I still have some. I'm actually planning on chopping it off soon. But at the same time, it's like we want to have, there needs to be some space for the younger kids. There is something magical about storytelling for a brand new player. You just really feel good when you have that scene that you watch somebody's eyes light up and their imaginations explode with the myriad of possibilities. And when you can create that moment, that's why we, that, at least for me, I may, I may be speaking for far too many people than I should, but for me, that's why I do it. Cause I love that explosion of ideas. And uh, I, I work very hard. It's fun work, but it is work 
just to get that moment with as many players as I possibly can. So having other venues to have newer players come in just increases my odds. You know, uh, Josh says it all the Mm -hmm. time. The mechanics work like this. Things go better when you roll more dice. So it's similarly, the more people I get to story tell for, the more likely I'm going to have those moments. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also why I, when I run games for Drinking Dragons, I I don't, I run the weird off the wall stuff. I ran, uh, this last one, I ran uh, Alice is Missing. Uh, if you don't know what Alice is Missing is, it is a silent role-playing game. It's facilitated with like, with cards, but you play it primarily via text message. And it was... It was probably the most affected I've ever been facilitating a, a, play, a uh, RPG, but like, it's always great to get that one person, right. That's maybe a little bit, not quite as like into it or like a little bit more shy. And when they like open up nothing better. Absolutely true. Great, great feeling when you get a player that starts to, you know, really embrace role-playing and starts to get it. But for that, it's also important uh, just to throw out there for all you other storytellers out there, when you're planning your games for events like this, don't just get bogged down in adult games and adult content because we've got to be able to enable these new players. But then we can't just go the other way and just make kid-friendly games either. We gotta, we, we need a, a middle ground where you're letting those older kids, preteens, play with some adults because that's where they're going to learn to finish becoming role players. So just mind your content. It doesn't always have to be edgy and adults only, you know, keep it, keep it. PG 13 is still fine. A table for drinking and dragons. So, so thankfully it was virtual. So we didn't have to worry too much about, about having minors, but uh, I had uh, a pair of parents and their son uh, and their son is 12, 13 in that neighborhood. Um, and he, from all from everything that I could tell, had so much fun uh, because, I mean, he actually, he had one of like the key moments in the game and he just like, he just blossomed and it was amazing to go ahead and see. And it was kind of, it was really amazing to witness. So I had a, a younger cousin of mine come to the Sarge's when I was running games there and he hadn't really ever played too many RPGs and just the moment of the older players, you know, sneaking into a cave and stealthing and he didn't know any better. And he's like, I follow them. And I'm like, do you want to be sneaky? He's like, no. And so they're 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 sneaking in and they're quiet. And and then I say, from behind you, you hear a chink 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 chink. And they're, they they we turn around to see what it is. I said, you see your fighter at his chainmail, and he smiles at you and brandishes his sword. I say, what do you say to him? He's like, hey guys, what's up? Did you find anything? And it was, and he was, and they're like, we're trying to be sneaky. And he's like, me too. And he just was having so much fun. Yeah, it was, it, he, he had no idea, but he was having so much fun and they turned it into, okay, you sneak ahead first and we'll follow you. And he aggroed everything with the chink, chink, chink. And then they could just sneak up and attack stuff. Nice. So they turned it to their favor, but he loved it. He left and he was like, I was the best player. Right. And it's like, yes, honey, you were the best player. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Mm Mm-hmm. We've mentioned one of the local shops right in New London, Sarge's Comics, a few times during this podcast. I think we should also do a shout out for the Citadel, who has also been a sponsor to many a Drinking and Dragons. Event. Toy Vault as well. They've sponsored a couple. I don't know if they're still 
but just, that's inside baseball. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they were, they have been the sponsor of several of the events I've been, been, been at. So uh, shout out to local shops. Glenn mentioned it earlier. When things go back to live, people need places to meet. Live games that happen in people's homes are yep. amazing and they're great, but those groups don't start in the homes. They started someplace public where people met safely, got to know who they liked being around, created friendships, created a group before those games moved home. So if it weren't for the local shops out there on the front lines doing the great work and giving us spaces to play, areas to create, those odd games, those strange games that you wouldn't see in a random Google search, but you see on a shelf and you take home because it looked cool. Many of us probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I mean, we would probably not be doing this. There would be something else that would be going on. It'd be hella more boring. So I, I we got a shout out to all of our local shops. We got a shout out, like I said, and specifically to the ones that have uh, been there for the Drinking and Dragons group, uh, the Drinking Dragons events, the and uh, the NLC RPG group as a whole. Um, I can also say personally, those stores have been there for me as a gamer as well. So they're local to where I live here in Connecticut as with Glenn. So, all right, everyone. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure having our friends from drinking and dragons on tonight. Uh, Joe, Jeanette West, thank you so very much uh, for popping in here and talking about what you do. Um, could you uh, give us a, a, another little bit of uh, and, you know, where people can find you and how they can get involved with drinking and dragons? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, uh, thank you for having us. It's been a blast. Uh, just talking shop. If you would like to know what we are doing, we said it when I introduced myself, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, our website is nlcrpg.org. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of that homepage, it's got our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter link. Just check one of those. Uh, Facebook is more active. I do all of them. Every, all of the other ones are usually just copy paste of, of any Facebook post. Follow us, like us, whatever particular social media thing to get updates us. Do that thing. Do that thing to us. Do the thing. Do, do the, the thing. Um, we also post all the events on the event page on the website. So this is maybe like a day or two behind, depending on whether or not, uh, whenever I get to it. But uh, we'll make sure to go ahead and put that link in the show notes uh, so that everybody can go ahead and click right through also. So, well, thank you everybody so much for popping in. We, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us and uh, letting us talk shop uh, and everybody else out there. We will see you again next time. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series, where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop-oriented. 
Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.